Well, we're talking, if you look at the top of your papers, we're talking about big words, big thoughts, which are, one, gifts and present realities, and two, goals and growing experiences. And we have to choose where to begin. And so I thought we might as well choose to begin at the beginning. So we're taking the kingdom, first of all. You'll notice as we look at the references that Matthew, St. Matthew, always talks about the kingdom of heaven. And in the corresponding place in Mark, St. Mark and St. Luke, they have the kingdom of God. Well, these are not without, these are not just chance differences. First of all, God is love. We are told in the epistle, first epistle of St. John that God is love, and those who live in love live in God, and God in them. And then heaven is happiness. Heaven is, even in ordinary talk, people understand that heaven is happiness. When people go away for a vacation, for instance, on some island, say Pacific Island, people ask them, what was it like? Oh, it was heaven, heavenly. <laughs> so it means even to ordinary people the same thing. So the kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of happiness and also the kingdom of love. Now, the, um, the difference is because Matthew was a Jew writing to Jews. And Jews didn't like to name the name of God. The name of God was considered to be so holy, so incommunicable, so beyond the telling, that they didn't like to name him. And in the um, Old Testament, we come to a place which is um, Exodus chapter Exodus, uh, Exodus 3, chapter 3, verse 15, where... Moses is being sent to lead the people of God out of Egypt. And he wants to know what God's name is. And so he says, what shall I tell the people? You are telling me to lead them out. What is your name? And God says, I am... And then, uh, the Greek word is ego, ego. You know ego means I. And evi means am. I am. And then, o, on. O, and then on. There are two different letters for O, but it doesn't matter. O on means the being. On is the participle of the verb to be. Now you can translate that, I am he who is. Or you could translate it, I am the one who is. But most literally, most exact, is the I am the being. So he is the supreme being. He was telling Moses that he was the supreme being. And this is the, his name. Now the name in Hebrew meant the nature of a person. And so when Jesus is praying in that great prayer of his, John chapter 17, he says, I have revealed your name, I have made known your name to the men you gave me out of the world. He means, I have revealed your nature. You have seen what God is like, how God talks. You've seen the, heard the words of God and you've seen God in visible form. And so, I've revealed to the people of 
your people, what you're like, your name, your nature, your character. Nearly all these words that God uses are, are um, inadequate. And so we can continually meet and see the inadequacy of them. They don't really get the truth across. It's the best that we have. That is why Jesus continually spoke in parables, in stories, because words are insufficient. Although it has been, a poet has said that words are things which will lift on wings the one who believes them true. Whatever you will, when the mind is still, you can draw to the heart of you. Although the poet said that, yet actually, it is a, as you know, words are very, very difficult to, or sometimes to understand. They don't always convey what God wants to convey. So he has to use words such as we can understand. He tries to. And so we find that um, he uses words in different senses. Now the word heaven is used by God in different senses. As I have said in uh, Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, he speaks about the kingdom of heaven. In other places, have, that, and we've seen that heaven means God in, that, in this sense, because Mark and Luke, in corresponding places, call it the kingdom of heaven. Once I was telling this to a group of teenagers in India, and a girl of about 15 said, is that always true? And I said, that's a good question. Why do you ask it? And she said, well, in Genesis, at the beginning of the Bible, it says God created heaven and earth. If heaven means God, how could God create God? I said, that is the kind of thinking and question I like. And all the people by now were, had woken up and were listening. They thought... <laughs> that is absolutely true. You can, in the beginning, in Genesis, of course, heaven doesn't mean God. It means the invisible world of angels and things which cannot be seen. God created heaven, the sky. Heaven sometimes means the sky. Very often in the Bible, the, the, there's no other word for sky. The same word in Greek means sky and heaven. And so the birds, continually we hear of the birds of the sky. But nearly all the um, translators give some of the other, other translation to it. They say birds of the air, but it doesn't say that. It doesn't say anything else. It says birds of the sky. And so there are many words of this kind. Flesh is a very difficult word. Flesh is used in many different ways. Sometimes it means the body. Very seldom on the whole. And um, when we read, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, it means all people, all mankind. But sometimes it means self or nat the nature, natural, the natural. And there is a very good passage in Romans chapter 8, verse 8, where it says, those who live in the flesh, but I'll go on like that, in the flesh, that's the literal thing, those who live in the flesh cannot please God. Now St. John Chrysostom, who's one of the great fathers, 
and John the Golden Mouth, it means, because he was a great preacher, very popular person. He says it is tragic when people think that flesh means body in this situation, in this place, because it means that Jesus couldn't have taken flesh. Jesus was perfect everything, perfect man, and he took flesh deliberately, took a body and became a human being. So if flesh here means the body, and in the body you cannot please God, those in the flesh cannot please God, those in the body cannot please God, then Jesus couldn't please God. So it's, as St. John Chrysostom says, it's tragic to understand it. Then how did, what does it mean? It means, if you, if you look at flesh, the word flesh, and cut off the aspirate at the end, what does it spell backwards? What does it spell backwards? Self, exactly. Those who are in the self, who are living a selfish life, cannot please God. But you are not in the self, but in the spirit. This is now verse 9. You pass on to verse 9 and explains it. But you are not in the flesh, or not in the, in the natural, not in the self. There are some Bibles which translate it that way. Those who are in the natural cannot please God. But you are not in the natural, but in the spirit, if the spirit of God is in you. But if anyone doesn't have the spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to him. These are very important words. But it, so it's very important to understand how God is using different words. And that means that you continually have to pray when you're reading the heavenly love letters, HLL. The heavenly love letters... You can put an A in the, in the um, as a vowel, say, a hell, the hell book. But the fathers call it, they, they call them the heavenly love letters. And um, if you, um, either the heavenly love letters, the hell book, will keep you out of hell, or hell will keep you away from the hell book. So it's a question of choice. Whether you're going... Of course, the fathers say also that um, not to know the Word of God is not to know Christ. Ignorance of the Word of God is ignorance of Christ because we get to know him through the Gospels. The four Gospels give us the only picture we have of him. And so now, probably I've had given you enough um, ideas about how to watch for words and how to watch for the meaning. And be sure that if you come across a thing and don't judge it as loving, if you think that God is unloving in any situation, you can be quite sure you're wrong, because it says in the clearest possible way that God is love, and those who live in love live in God. So you might come across lots of passages which might seem to, be, seem to suggest that God is not love. For instance, it says that God hardened, Moses, uh, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh was the king of Egypt. And God hardened his heart. Now, if you take it literally, it looks as if God is a hard one who hardens. But this was just the way the Hebrews thought. They didn't think of the causes between, the ultimate cause. Really, it's, there's a permissive will and an absolute will of God. God permitted Pharaoh to go his own way. He didn't want to go God's way. God gave him lots of opportunities to go the right way. 
and to become a man who was kind and good and patient and loving to people. But he didn't go that way. Therefore, his heart became hard. And it says in the Bible, which is more or less like shorthand reporting, that God hardened his heart. But don't think that God did that directly. He didn't. He permitted it with his permissive will. By his permissive will, he allowed um, the ordinary laws of nature which he has made, and which run very well, generally speaking, except when we break them, he allowed the laws of nature to work, and they, to upset the laws of nature would be tragic, of course, because they're all his work. So now let us take one of these big words. We're taking the kingdom. And uh, I will begin by suggesting passages to you. We'll take Mark 1.15. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come. That's in Mark. Of course, in Matthew it would be the kingdom of heaven has come. You find the same thing. And you can find it probably in the list I've given you. I'm not following the list I have here. I'm, I've, got, I've taken some myself, and it, you'll probably find most of them are in the list. But you may find one that's not. Well, you can add it, if you like, to, um, to your list of words. This, this list that I've given you doesn't doesn't profess to be complete. It's not complete at all. I've just given you, shown you what a lot of references there are to each kind of revelation. The revelation of the kingdom as a gift of God, the revelation of the kingdom as a goal or an experience. Now the next one I have is um, Matthew 2, 2. Repent that means change your thinking. It's a Greek word, metanoia. Metanoia means to change your thinking and therefore change your life. Because the kingdom of heaven has come. And then the next one I have is um, Matthew 6.13. Yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. This is, this is the kind of ending to some of our prayers. It's used as an ending very often. And the next one, number four, that I've given got here is Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, at any time you want to understand anything, or you want to stop me, or you're willing to... You're, you're quite um, welcome to stop me. This doesn't upset me in the least. But so far as we can, I'll go on. In case you don't know what poor in spirit is, <laughs> as it's the beginning of the Beatitudes, and therefore the first law of the kingdom of heaven, you might as well know that it means blessed are those who know they have nothing, are nothing, and can do nothing, without Christ. That is, it's the first law, is humility. All the fathers teach that the first law is humility. So the first law of the New Covenant, New Testament, is humility. Just as the first commandment in the Old Covenant was to believe in God, and love God, so the first of the New is to be humble, to know that by humility you can receive all the gifts of God. God gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud. 
There's another beatitude which comes two further down, which is called Blessed are the meek. You might think that that is the same thing, but it isn't. According to all the teaching of the Church down the ages, and I'm thinking now of the Church of the Fathers, the, the meekness is gentleness and freedom from anger. Therefore, blessed are the meek means blessed are the angerless, those who are free from anger and impatience and irritability and so on. Actually, the, word, the words do run into one another a little bit, so humble and meek do become very much the same, both meaning humble sometimes. But there is that difference, though. And some of the New Testaments in the English don't translate the word meek. They think it's too difficult for modern people. They put a word like gentle, better than gentle, or something like that. Then we come to the sixth, I think, I'm giving you. Matthew 10, 7. As you go, he's talking to his disciples, as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven has come. All these are rather similar. The seventh one is Luke 12.32 It's your Father's will and delight to give you the kingdom. Here's a very good example of how the kingdom is a gift. And God wants to give us the kingdom. It's his pleasure, it's his delight to give us the kingdom. And the next one, the eighth one I have here is Luke 17.21 Some Jews some ruling Jews came to Jesus and they said, when is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven coming? Jesus says, it doesn't come with observation, meaning you're not able to observe its coming. It doesn't, it's not something that you can see with your eyes, hear with your ears. It's not a material thing, but the kingdom of heaven is within you. Which one did I say this was? It's the kingdom of God, actually. It's, it's Luke, isn't it? Luke 17, 21. It's the kingdom of God is within you. So, that is a very surprising thing, isn't it, for the Old Testament times, for Jews to know, to be told, that the, the kingdom of God was, within, was inside them. <coughs> That's a wonderful revelation for all of us. Some people translate that within your myth, right? Yeah, I think they do, yes. It certainly means that as well. It means in your midst as well, but the word is in and it can be translated in very well. And the, the, the deeper meaning probably is within, is inside you, because it corresponds with the teaching in the New Testament of St. Paul and so on, who says Christ, or Yes, St. Paul in Colossians, he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, and then the Holy Spirit is in you, and so on. There are many places where it speaks about the God being in you. You are temples of the Holy Spirit. That was number um, eight. Now number nine, the ninth one I have here is Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is... And here is the only description, really, we have, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when you think of the kingdom of God, 
If you want to know what it means, it means righteousness, and righteousness means basically right relations, right relations with God, right relations with other people. It also means justice. Righteousness and justice are both translations of the Greek word. And then it, peace and joy. Peace is one of the big, big words of the, of the Hebrews, the Jews. It's the word they use continually in Israel today. If you go into a shop, they say shalom. Shalom means peace. When you leave the shop, they say shalom. You, when you meet somebody, you say shalom. The other person says shalom. Shalom is the big word. It means, basically, it means well-being. Therefore, salvation, happiness, and so on. But the ordinary, it depends upon whether the person is a materialist, an ordinary material Jew who is trying to get rich quick and um, is just thinking about how his shop is working and so on. For him, shalom means success to you, good luck, prosperity, have a good day and so on. Every ordinary worldly thought you can think of. But a pious or religious Jew, a Jew who is really trying to love God and think of God, he means, when he says it, he means, I mean happiness and peace, freedom from conflict inside you, freedom from sin which causes conflict. And um, it means joy and peace and happiness and salvation and love and everything, everything good you can think of. We don't have any corresponding words. The Greek word, which is Irene, which you have as a girl's name, you call it Irene, I think, usually, though it's three syllables in Greek. But um, it means just peace. And in English, of course, peace doesn't mean much more than peace. And um, so it is in Slavonic or Russian. They don't have, they're not very big words. They don't have many, many meanings. Not like Shalom. And um, we come next to the eleventh one. No, I think it's ten. I did number nine. That was nine, the ninth one I gave you, which was Romans, Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Next one, number ten, is Colossians 1, 13. He has delivered us from the rule or power of darkness and transferred us to his son's kingdom of love. Now this is one of the most beautiful expressions in the New Testament and it's mistranslated in almost every English Bible that exists. So if you want to get it right, there it is. He has transferred us to his son's kingdom of love. Word, the word is a noun, agape. Agape means love. They often say a beloved son, but a beloved is agapitos. It's an entirely different word. It doesn't say anything about a beloved, and it doesn't say anything about a loving and anything. It just says the, every case is quite simple. The son's genitive, kingdom of love. Tis agapis, genitive. There's no problem about it at all, but I don't know why they can't translate it, because it's the only place where we have the kingdom called the king it's usually called the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven and here it's called the kingdom of love which it is because God is love 
then it's the Son's kingdom. The Son is also. The Father, Son and Holy Spirit are one. Next one is number 11. Hebrews 12:28. Receiving an unshakable kingdom, let us hold on to grace by which we may serve and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. It goes on and says, because our God is a consuming fire. That's a quotation from the Old, Old Testament. Both in the Old and the New, it says he's a devouring or consuming fire. And the twelfth one is Mark 10.13 or 10.15 Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. That's twelve, did I say that was? Twelve, Matthew 10.15 Mark, Mark 10.15 Whoever doesn't receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. And in 13, Matthew 13, 44, well, I think we can leave that up.